Welcome back to Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. We're excited to be with you. Before we head into our next segment, I want to invite you to visit our website, realpresenceradio.com, for even more great content. There you can listen to programming from your local area, find a podcast if you missed one of the daily shows, submit a prayer intention, and see the latest cancellations and announcements coming with coronavirus precautions, including the uh, Mass that will be resuming in Minnesota, as we just spoke with uh, Bishop John Quinn of Diocese of Winona, Rochester, and he was mentioning that the celebration of Mass will begin in Minnesota Diocese in a limited manner on Tuesday, May 26th, with the Sunday Mass resuming on Pentecost, which is May 31st. So be sure to check out our website. We do have recently had a redesign as well. So there's a lot of great things there, including a brand new player to listen to live programming. Transitioning now into our next segment, we've got Father Chris Alar on. He's of the a priest of the Congregation of the Marian Fathers of Immaculate Conception. And uh, we're going to talk about a difficult topic this morning, but It's a topic that is full of hope, as we'll find out after visiting with uh, Father Chris. So, Father Chris, good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Yes, thank you for being on with us. Can you just tell us a a little bit about yourself? Uh, Yes, my my background, uh, I joined the Marian Fathers, um, uh, let's see, 14 years ago, and uh, engineered by degree in painting Marian Fathers' with the intent of hopefully doing God's will to spread divine mercy, and we've been doing that here in uh, Stockbridge, Mass. at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy for many years, and um, I found uh, the real need in my day-to-day ministry of um, ministering to those who have lost someone to suicide. The numbers just continue to go up, and um, and now as the director of the Association of Varian Helpers, um, we have about a million and a half people in our association, uh, and you know we pray uh, for all our members. Um, you know, Marion Helpers, we call them, and so many have contacted us about their struggles and their pains from losing loved ones to suicide. That um, we decided to really put a focus on this ministry, and then I wrote the book with uh, Brother Jason Lewis um, called "After Suicide: There's Hope for Them and for You." So. Uh, being as the director of the association and being here at the Shrine of Divine Mercy in Stockbridge, Mass., um, we seem to find uh, a lot of people turn to us uh, for hope in these types of times. And, and the numbers, unfortunately, just keep going up and up, and um, it's, it's becoming a pandemic all in and of itself. Um, you know, not just our coronavirus, but the effects of people who are struggling um, with mental, you know, depression, illness, um, that, you know, feel that they have no other way out, but, but to take their own life, those are critically important people that we can't forget about. Even in the physical worries of the virus, we need not to forget about the mental um, struggles people are going through, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Father, uh, it, it's, it's difficult to wrap our minds around when we, when we think about suicide and uh, mm-hmm. everything that goes along with it. So I just want to start here. Let's start with, what does the Church teach about suicide or those who have died by suicide? Great question, because that is one of the biggest misconceptions of almost any teaching in the Church. I'm, I'm real hard-pressed to think of another teaching in the Church that is possibly as misunderstood as this one. Um, it seems that everybody has grown up as Catholics were given that impression that the Church teaches that if you take your own life, you are automatically condemned to hell. 
and that is not church teaching. Um, church teaching um, <clears throat> in the Catechism, uh, 2282 and 2283 uh, numbers uh, address this. And the Catechism makes it very clear uh, that um, there are mitigating circumstances, such as mental illness, grave fear, anxiety, depression, um, <clears throat> that could be mitigating circumstances that could reduce or eliminate the culpability of one taking their own life. Now, it doesn't mean it justifies that we have to be very careful here, because suicide is never the answer. Um, it's a permanent response to temporary problems, and we never want to think it's a way out. Uh, my own grandmother uh, took her own life, and this is what, for 10 years, my family never talked about it, because we believed, and we never believed Nobody wanted to face the reality that she was in hell. And then it wasn't until I met a priest in North Carolina and mentioned it in a, in a confession that he said, that's not church teaching. Can you imagine? Here I am in my 30s, and that's the first time I ever heard of that. Yeah. Um, I, I, was, I was emphatically insistent to this priest that church teaching is that she's in hell. And he made it very clear to me go right to the catechism, because there might be these mitigating circumstances. And as you know, we and the only way a soul is lost, and I think this is important, the only way a soul is lost is to die in an unrepentant state of mortal sin. And there's a lot in that statement, because mm-hmm. for a sin to be mortal, it must be grave nature, well, suicide is, you must have knowledge that it's a grave sin, which most people know suicide is. But the free will, meaning I want to and willingly choose this, is a huge question. My grandma, who took her own life, makes a case in point for my heart, is that my grandma struggled and tried to hold on every day, and she was in so much pain, so much suffering. She struggled, and she tried... She didn't want to take her own life. She unfortunately saw no other way out. She made the wrong decision. However, there was other factors that went into it. She didn't willingly want to do it. So to answer your question, 2283 in the Catechism says it even better. It says we should not despair of the eternal salvation of those who have taken their own life. By ways known to him alone, God can provide the opportunity for solitary repentance. That one paragraph in the Catechism, I think priests should be shouting from the rooftop. The problem is we never want to give the wrong impression that it's okay. So that's a dilemma. (laughs) But it's a very important topic, yes. If you're just tuning in, we're visiting with Father Chris Alar. He is of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. He wrote a book called After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and for You. We've just uh, been talking about the Church's teaching on this. Let's talk a little bit about the personal side of it. Uh, as you were mentioning mm-hmm. that you lost a grandmother to suicide, I'm sure many of those listening uh, this morning either have lost a family member at some point or know somebody yeah. who has died by suicide Talk about yeah. the realness of, of the, the trauma that, uh, yeah. that family members experience, but then also of the, uh, you know, <clears throat> going through the process of, of maybe, yeah. maybe there's a little bit of despair in there in, in not knowing, you know, 
where yeah. where that person's soul is? Again, a great question because what we learned in in consulting with the medical experts for the book was the fact that you did, I didn't know this, but those statistically who are at greatest risk to take their own life are those who have already lost someone very mm. close to them who took their own life. So in our book, which we wrote, it's entitled After Suicide, we, 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 we spoke to the medical experts and said, well, this book is more postvention, not prevention. And Dr. Molly Marty and others said to us, uh, no, Father Chris, this book is actually preventative because you're giving people hope that there's salvation for their loved one. And when you give them hope, that gives them more reason not to despair. And I thought that was very important. Um, so when the people um, do lose, and you're right, statistically over 50% of us, of the people know someone or of someone who has taken their own life personally. And so it affects everybody. I mean, the statistics are shocking. Um, just to give a few uh, real basic, you know, suicide's been going up every year. Uh, since 1999, it's increased over 30%. Um, the statistics are shocking. Do you know, um, the listeners, I, to me, this is so important to open eyes but do you know every year in the world, more people take their, die by suicide than die by all the wars or homicides combined? Wow. So you could say, well, is this a real problem, Father Chris? Well, when you look at the numbers, if more people die every year by suicide than all the wars or homicides combined, we're talking a problem. Yeah. And then to me, I'm a, from a military family, it, the, the statistics came out that more veterans, U.S. veterans, have now taken their own life than died in the Vietnam War. So uh, this is amazing how poor, uh, important this issue is. So to answer your question, okay, what do we do? In the book, we, 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 we lay out a roadmap. Um, of spiritual principles, guiding principles of divine mercy. And so um, if somebody has lost someone to suicide, the first book, or the first part of the book, is why there's hope for their salvation. And we talk about the power of prayer, even after the fact. Even when I learned 10 years later that my grandma still could possibly be saved, I had never prayed for her up until that point, because I thought she was in hell, and we know prayers... Once somebody's in hell, prayers can't help them. Well, I never prayed for her. Well, then I learned 10 years later that my prayers today, even though she died 10 years ago, because God is outside of time, he's omnipotent, meaning all-powerful. He's omniscient, meaning all-knowing. God knew, he knows right now every prayer you will ever make for the rest of your life, and he has the power to apply those graces any point in time. What does that mean? That means when I learned 10 years later after my grandma took her own life that I could pray this prayer called the Divine Mercy Chaplet, that, that Jesus told St. Faustina is one of the most powerful prayers we can ever pray outside of the liturgy and, and, and equal on par with the rosary. We have the ability to pray today, and God, who forever knew that we were going to make this prayer, can apply those graces back to help them even at the moment of their judgment. And this 
blows people away, but our book got the imprimatur. We talked with theologians like Father Spitzer and Peter Kreeft. And, um, you know, one story real quick, if I can add, that kind of solidifies this is Padre Pio. There's a very definitive story documented about Padre Pio that he once was um, being um, examined by his doctor, and the doctor noticed Padre Pio was praying, and he said, what are you praying for? And Padre Pio said, the conversion and happy death, death and salvation of my grandfather. And the hmm. doctor said, well, wait a minute, your grandfather died 20 years ago, so you can't pray for that now. And Padre Pio said, well, yes, because God knew 20 years ago that I'd be making this prayer tonight, and he can apply those graces to assist my grandfather at the moment of his death. Wow. I was like, wow! And so, so the first thing the book does in the first half is it gives hope using those kind of stories and teachings of the Church, the Catechism we just mentioned, about not despairing of the salvation, to give people who've lost someone hope. I've ministered a couple mothers who have lost their sons to suicide, and I was very concerned about their own well-being. And as soon as we go over those principles with them, that you first got to trust in the mercy of God, that no sin, even suicide, is greater than the mercy of God, we just pray that your son accepts those graces. And I remember one mother saying, he will, Father. I know my son would accept them. Well, then you can have trust and hope that he can be saved. And people are like, Father, you can't say the suicide means automatic health. Not according to the catechism. So 2282, 2283, very important. So once we give hope that there is, for the salvation of the lost loved one, hope for eternal life, then we go into part two, which the book lays out how to get through it. You can never get over it. You know, when you lose, if a mother loses a son to suicide or a husband or a wife, you will never get over it, but you can get through it. And so we give these spiritual principles of divine mercy <clears throat> that walk you through it like a roadmap. And it involves the sacraments, it involves, you know, um, faith in God. And now some people are like, Father, I can't even walk into a church because I lost my son and God took him away. We work through the book with those people that, yes, we understand how you feel, <clears throat> but that's the answer is in God. Even though you may not feel it or, 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 or want it right now, we're going to show you why it is. Do you know that um, the Wall Street Journal, of all places, came out with a study about a year ago that said um, those who practice their faith are five times less likely to take their own life. Those who practice their faith are five times less likely to take their own life than those who don't. So it is important in this book. It's not just teaching catechism or, or, or about the Mass. It's getting to the spiritual part of the human person and giving them um, a handhold to walk through this, this, this tragedy with them. And that's the goal of the book. Yeah. Now, so, Father, you know, um, a little bit ago you said over 30%, the, the, the suicide rates have gone up over 30% yeah. since 1999. And then mm -hmm. you just, just um, had a statistic that said those who practice their faith are five times less likely to commit 
uh, or to die by suicide. Why? Why are we seeing these numbers rise? Do, yeah. do you have any insight into that? Uh, because right now, less and less and less people are practicing their faith. And so uh, this is one of the, the, the sidebars. This is why when the, the government, and I understand we have to be concerned for the physical safety of people, but I tell you, as important as that is, there's nothing more important than the eternal salvation of someone. Yes, I hope I don't get cancer. Um, I'm struggling. I have blood clots. I have pulmonary embolisms. I have coronary artery disease. I got a mess of physical problems. And I, I ask for, for healing from the Lord all the time. But none of those are more important than my eternal salvation. And so when we shut down the churches, when we stopped giving the sacraments and looked for no possible way to find ways to deliver it, nope, cut and dry, can't give can't confession, can't hear confessions, cannot give Holy Communion, I think we did a disservice. And, um, and I think the Church uh, did a disservice because there are ways, there are solutions to every problem. And with a little bit of diligence, due diligence, we could have found better solutions than just shutting everybody off from the sacraments. Some priests, God bless them, found ways, drive through confessions and different things like that. Just remember, you can do the act of contrition in the spiritual communion. God, the Catechism also says in 1452 that those suffice um, until you can get back to the sacraments. So, um, but to answer your question, why are we seeing these increases in suicides? I personally believe it's because of an extreme statistical loss of faith. Yeah. And that is what is a reality in our world today that is being manifested so many things, depression, anxiety, overly medicated society, and most of all, suicide. Yeah. How do we combat that, Father? How, how, do, how, do we, how do we get people, how do we get this message out to people? Which is kind of funny because we're talking about this on the radio. But how do we get this message out to the people and see that, that this matters? Our faith matters. Our eternal salvation yes. matters. Yes, yes. It's, it's these things when I... When I travel, when I give talks, when I do missions, I, I emphasize over and over and over again, there is nothing in your life, and I'm talking about wonderful things, uh, earning that graduate degree, um, buying that new house, getting that big, huge job promotion. These are beautiful things. We should have goals. We should be striving to wonderful things that, that advance our, our, our well-being in, 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 in the uh, temporal, worldly sense. This is nothing wrong. This is a good thing. But none of those combined, all added together, ever come to the importance of your soul, your immortal soul and your eternal salvation. And that only comes through a living faith in Christ. And so, well, Father, I'm not into organized religion. Okay, that, okay, I, I, I hear that, but Jesus organized religion. He gave us the church. He set up the hierarchy to protect us. He gave us a magisterium to teach us by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know, you know, there's been some bad shepherds. Um, nobody knows that more than I do. There's been some bad shepherds. But you don't leave Jesus because of Judas. And nobody left Jesus um, of, of the other 11 because of what Judas did. They all stuck with Jesus. They didn't say, you know what, because Judas was this bad guy in amongst the 12, 
I'm not following you, Jesus, because you had this bad guy. Okay, the church has had some bad priests and bishops. We get that. Pray for them. Their souls are in jeopardy. But you don't leave Jesus because of Judas. You, you stick by his side and you say, Lord, this is even why more we need to pray and we need to stay by you in these times of difficulty. And, 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 and pray for those who have been hurt. Pray for those who did the hurting. They, they are very much in trouble. We have to pray for their souls. But most of all, we don't lose our faith out of it. We have to be stronger in our faith and fix these problems. Not not run away from them, but we have to fix them. And the laity have the beautiful opportunity, and they've been doing it, standing up to the church and saying, this is wrong, you've got to change it. And God bless them, it's starting to work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Father, we just have a couple minutes left here. I, sure. I want to I revisit uh, part two of the book. <clears throat> excuse me, uh-huh. uh, get, getting through it. Uh, and and uh, speaking to those who might be listening right now, the Holy Spirit has a plan, right? So somebody's listening right now who needs to hear what you yes. have to say about this, the grief process. It, yes. It's okay to grieve, right? It's okay Absolutely. to not have to get over it in two weeks or three months. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things we specify in the book, we, we, we do follow a lot of the 12-step program, but in, in a divine mercy standpoint, um, the, the three steps are you first have to recognize that you're powerless. Just like you learn in AA, you have to learn that you're powerless over the loss. Um, you know, that the person, um, you know, that, that has been lost, I can't change that. We have to recognize the powerlessness because only then in our, in, 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 in acknowledging that can God come in and, and, and return to his power. Then we have to trust. We have to come to trust that Jesus, the divine mercy, um, you know, can, in fact, bring our lives back to a manageability. Then we have to entrust ourselves, our loved ones, and our lives to Jesus, the divine mercy. So in other words, first you have to believe it, then you have to give yourself over to his leadership and his saving grace. Now, People who are not ready for that, we get it. We get that you're still upset, you're angry that your child died, but we show you how to work through that. And, and last thing, because I know we're running out of time, yes, that we used to believe that you don't talk about suicide because then it'll make people do it. Absolutely not. The best thing the medical experts tell us to do is you've got to talk about it, and you have to get those feelings out to professionals or friends or talk to someone. Father, uh, in the last 30 seconds, where can people find your book? Thank you. Yes, please. The book, again, is by uh, myself and Brother Jason Lewis. My name is Father Chris Alar. So you could uh, go to Amazon, A-L-A-R. You can get this book on Amazon, but a better place to get it um, is on our website, suicideandhope.com. One word, suicideandhope.com. There you can get the book and many other resources. And one last thing, we have an opportunity. There's no fee, no cost, no nothing. You don't even have to put your name. You don't have to give your email or phone, nothing. But you can memorialize any loved one that you have lost to suicide. Put their name on our memorial list. It could be a nickname, initials, first name only. doesn't have to be descriptive or a full name. And I personally pray and do masses for other people on those lists. And I personally pray for each and every one of them. So it's a beautiful place suicideandhope.com for healing. It's a beautiful place to go to heal. Father, thanks so much for being on the air with us and talking about this this really important topic. I hope uh, to your listeners out there listening, you, you've experienced hope, you've experienced uh, 
a renewal in in what the church actually teaches about suicide and um, yes. and recognize that that there is hope. So, Father, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you, and God bless you and to all the listeners. You as well. Thanks so much. Up next, find out who gets the donuts this week as we share who our Honor Our Father's nominee is. And, excuse me, and uh, we have a lot more to come as Real Presence Live continues. Stay with us. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. 